Book Two, Chapter Two of the History of the Conquest of Mexico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of the Conquest of Mexico by William H. Prescott. Book Two, Chapter Two. Hernando Cortez, His Early Life visits the new world his residence in cuba difficulties with velasquez armada entrusted to cortez hernando cortez was born at medellin a town in the southeast corner of extremadura in 1485 he came of an ancient and respectable family and historians have gratified the national vanity by tracing it up to the lombard kings whose descendants crossed the Pyrenees and established themselves in Aragon under the Gothic monarchy. This royal genealogy was not found out till Cortes had acquired a name which would confer distinction on any descent, however noble. His father, Martin Cortes de Monroy, was a captain of infantry, in moderate circumstances, but a man of unblemished honor, and both he and his wife, Doña Catalina Pizarro Altamirano appear to have been much regarded for their excellent qualities. In his infancy, Cortes is said to have had a feeble constitution, which strengthened as he grew older. At fourteen he was sent to Salamanca, as his father, who conceived great hopes from his quick and showy parts, proposed to educate him for the law a profession which held out better inducements to the young aspirant than any other. The son, however, did not conform to these views. He showed little fondness for books, and, after loitering away two years at college, returned home to the great chagrin of his parents. Yet his time had not been wholly misspent, since he had laid up a little store of Latin and learned to write good prose, and even verses of some estimation, considering as an old writer quaintly remarked, Cortez as the author. He now passed his days in the idle, unprofitable manner of one who, too willful to be guided by others, proposes no object to himself. His buoyant spirits were continually breaking out in troublesome frolics and capricious humors, quite at variance with the orderly habits of his father's household. He showed a particular inclination for the military profession, or rather for the life of adventure to which in those days it was sure to lead. And when, at the age of seventeen, he proposed to enroll himself under the banners of the great captain, his parents, probably thinking a life of hardship and hazard abroad preferable to one of idleness at home, made no objection. The youthful cavalier, however, hesitated whether to seek his fortunes under that victorious chief or in the new world, where gold as well as glory was to be won, and where the very dangers had a mystery and romance in them inexpressibly fascinating to a youthful fancy. It was in this direction, accordingly, that the hot spirits of that day found a vent, especially from that part of the country where Cortez lived, the neighborhood of Seville and Cadiz, the focus of nautical enterprise. He decided on this latter course, and an opportunity offered in the splendid armament fitted out under Don Nicolás de Ovando, successor to Columbus. An unlucky accident defeated the purpose of Cortés. 
as he was scaling a high wall one night which gave him access to the apartment of a lady with whom he was engaged in an intrigue the stones gave way and he was thrown down with much violence and buried under the ruins a severe contusion though attended with no other serious consequences confined him to his bed till after the departure of the fleet two years longer he remained at home profiting little as it would seem from the lesson he had received at length he availed himself of another opportunity presented by the departure of a small squadron of vessels bound to the indian islands he was nineteen years of age when he bade adieu to his native shores in fifteen o four the same year in which spain lost the best and greatest in her long line of princes isabella the catholic immediately on landing cortez repaired to the house of the governor to whom he had been personally known in spain ovando was absent on an expedition into the interior but the young man was kindly received by the secretary who assured him there would be no doubt of his obtaining a liberal grant of land to settle on but i came to get gold replied cortez not to till the soil like a peasant on the governor's return cortez consented to give up his roving thoughts at least for a time as the other labored to convince him that he would be more likely to realize his wishes from the slow indeed but sure returns of husbandry where the soil and the laborers were a free gift to the planter than by taking his chance in the lottery of adventure in which there were so many blanks to a prize he accordingly received a grant of land with a repartimiento of indians and was appointed notary of the town or settlement of agua his graver pursuits however did not prevent his indulgence of the amorous propensities which belonged to the sunny clime where he was born and this frequently involved him in affairs of honor from which though an expert swordsman he carried away scars that accompanied him to his grave he occasionally moreover found the means of breaking up the monotony of his way of life by engaging in the military expeditions which under the command of ovando's lieutenant diego velasquez were employed to suppress the insurrections of the natives in this school the young adventurer first studied the wild tactics of indian warfare he became familiar with toil and danger and with those deeds of cruelty which have too often alas stained the bright scutcheons of the castilian chivalry in the new world he was only prevented by illness a most fortunate one on this occasion from embarking in nicuesa's expedition which furnished a tale of woe not often matched in the annals of spanish discovery providence reserved him for higher ends at length in fifteen eleven when velasquez undertook the conquest of cuba cortez willingly abandoned his quiet life for the stirring scenes there opened and took part in the expedition he displayed throughout the invasion an activity and courage that won him the approbation of the commander while his free and cordial manners his good humor and lively sallies of wit made him the favorite of the soldiers he gave little evidence says a contemporary of the great qualities which he afterwards showed it is probable these qualities were not known to himself while to a common observer his careless manners and jocund repartees might well seem incompatible with anything serious or profound 
as the real depth of the current is not suspected under the light play and sunny sparkling of the surface after the reduction of the island cortez seems to have been held in great favor by velasquez now appointed its governor according to las casas he was made one of his secretaries he still retained the same fondness for gallantry for which his handsome person afforded obvious advantages, but which had more than once brought him into trouble in earlier life. Among the families who had taken up their residence in Cuba was one of the name of Juarez from Granada in Old Spain. It consisted of a brother and four sisters remarkable for their beauty. With one of them, named Catalina, the susceptible heart of the young soldier became enamored. How far the intimacy was carried is not quite certain, but it appears he gave his promise to marry her, a promise which, when the time came, and reason it may be, had got the better of passion, he showed no alacrity in keeping. He resisted, indeed, all remonstrances to this effect from the lady's family, backed by the governor, and somewhat sharpened, no doubt, in the latter, by the particular interest he took in one of the fair sisters, who is said not to have repaid it with ingratitude. Whether the rebuke of Velasquez, or some other cause of disgust, rankled in the breast of Cortez, he now became cold toward his patron, and connected himself with a disaffected party, tolerably numerous in the island. They were in the habit of meeting at his house and brooding over their causes of discontent, chiefly founded, it would appear, on what they conceived an ill requital of their services in the distribution of lands and offices. It may well be imagined that it could have been no easy task for the ruler of one of those colonies, however discreet and well-intentioned, to satisfy the indefinite cravings of speculators and adventurers, who swarmed, like so many famished harpies, in the track of discovery in the new world. The malcontents determined to lay their grievances before the higher authorities in Hispaniola, from whom Velasquez had received his commission. The voyage was one of some hazard, as it was to be made in an open boat across an arm of the sea eighteen leagues wide, and they fixed on Cortez, with whose fearless spirit they were well acquainted, as the fittest man to undertake it. The conspiracy got wind and came to the governor's ears before the departure of the envoy, whom he instantly caused to be seized, loaded with fetters, and placed in strict confinement. It is even said he would have hung him but for the interposition of his friends. Cortez did not long remain in durance. He contrived to throw back one of the bolts of his fetters, and after extricating his limbs succeeded in forcing open a window with the irons so as to admit of his escape. He was lodged on the second floor of the building, and was able to let himself down to the pavement without injury and unobserved. He then made the best of his way to a neighboring church where he claimed the privilege of sanctuary. Velasquez, though incensed at his escape, was afraid to violate the sanctity of the place by employing force but he stationed a guard in the neighborhood with orders to seize the fugitive if he should forget himself so far as to leave the sanctuary. In a few days this happened. As Cortez was carelessly standing without the walls in front of the building, an alguacil suddenly sprung on him from behind and pinioned his arms, while others rushed in and secured him. This man, whose name was Juan Escudero, 
was afterwards hung by Cortez for some offense in New Spain. The unlucky prisoner was again put in irons and carried on board a vessel to sail the next morning for Hispaniola, there to undergo his trial. Fortune favored him once more. He succeeded, after much difficulty and no little pain, in passing his feet through the rings which shackled them. He then came cautiously on deck and, covered by the darkness of the night, stole quietly down the side of the ship into a boat that lay floating below. He pushed off from the vessel with as little noise as possible. As he drew near the shore, the stream became rapid and turbulent. He hesitated to trust his boat to it, and as he was an excellent swimmer, prepared to breast it himself, and boldly plunged into the water. The current was strong, but the arm of a man struggling for life was stronger, and after buffeting the waves till he was nearly exhausted, he succeeded in gaining a landing, when he sought refuge in the same sanctuary which had protected him before. The facility with which Cortez a second time effected his escape may lead one to doubt the fidelity of his guards, who perhaps looked on him as the victim of persecution, and felt the influence of those popular manners which seemed to have gained him friends in every society into which he was thrown. For some reason not explained, perhaps from policy, he now relinquished his objections to the marriage with Catalina Juarez. He thus secured the good offices of her family. Soon afterwards the governor himself relented and became reconciled to his unfortunate enemy. A strange story is told in connection with this event. It is said his proud spirit refused to accept the proffers of reconciliation made him by Velasquez, and that, one evening, leaving the sanctuary, he presented himself unexpectedly before the latter in his own quarters, when on a military excursion at some distance from the capital. The governor, startled by the sudden apparition of his enemy, completely armed before him, with some dismay inquired the meaning of it. Cortez answered by insisting on a full explanation of his previous conduct. After some hot discussion the interview terminated amicably. The parties embraced, and when a messenger arrived to announce the escape of Cortez, he found him in the apartments of His Excellency, where, having retired to rest, both were actually sleeping in the same bed. The anecdote is repeated without distrust by more than one biographer of Cortez. It is not very probable, however, that a haughty, irascible man like Velasquez should have given such uncommon proofs of condescension and familiarity with one so far beneath him in station, with whom he had been so recently in deadly feud, nor, on the other hand, that Cortez should have had the silly temerity to brave the lion in his den, where a single nod would have sent him to the gibbet, and that, too, with as little compunction or fear of consequences as would have attended the execution of an Indian slave. The reconciliation with the governor, however, brought about, was permanent. Cortez, though not re-established in the office of secretary, received a liberal repartimiento of Indians, and an ample territory in the neighborhood of St. Iago, of which he was soon after made alcalde. He now lived almost wholly on his estate, devoting himself to agriculture with more zeal than formerly. He stocked his plantation with different kinds of cattle, some of which were first introduced by him into Cuba. 
he wrought also the gold mines which fell to his share and which in this island promised better returns than those in hispaniola by this course of industry he found himself in a few years master of some two or three thousand castellanos a large sum for one in his situation god who alone knows at what cost of indian lives it was obtained exclaims las casas will take account of it his days glided smoothly away in these tranquil pursuits and in the society of his beautiful wife who however ineligible as a connection from the inferiority of her condition appears to have fulfilled all the relations of a faithful and affectionate partner indeed he was often heard to say at this time as the good bishop above quoted remarks that he lived as happily with her as if she had been the daughter of a duchess fortune gave him the means in after life of verifying the truth of his assertion such was the state of things when alvarado returned with the tidings of grijalva's discoveries and the rich fruits of his traffic with the natives the news spread like wildfire throughout the island for all saw in it the promise of more important results than any hitherto obtained the governor as already noticed resolved to follow up the track of discovery with a more considerable armament and he looked around for a proper person to share the expense of it and to take the command several hidalgos presented themselves whom from want of proper qualifications or from his distrust of their assuming an independence of their employer he one after another rejected there were two persons in santiago in whom he placed great confidence amador de lares the contador or royal treasurer and his own secretary andres de duero cortez was also in close intimacy with both these persons and he availed himself of it to prevail on them to recommend him as a suitable person to be entrusted with the expedition it is said he reinforced the proposal by promising a liberal share of the proceeds of it however this may be the parties urged his selection by the governor with all the eloquence of which they were capable that officer had had ample experience of the capacity and courage of the candidate he knew too that he had acquired a fortune which would enable him to cooperate materially in fitting out the armament his popularity in the island would speedily attract followers to his standard all past animosities had long since been buried in oblivion and the confidence he was now to repose in him would ensure his fidelity and gratitude he lent a willing ear therefore to the recommendation of his counsellors and sending for cortez announced his purpose of making him the captain-general of the armada cortez had now obtained the object of his wishes the object for which his soul had panted ever since he had set foot in the new world he was no longer to be condemned to a life of mercenary drudgery nor to be cooped up within the precincts of a petty island but he was to be placed on a new and independent theatre of action and a boundless perspective was opened to his view which might satisfy not merely the wildest cravings of avarice but to a bold aspiring spirit like his the far more important cravings of ambition he fully appreciated the importance of the late discoveries and read in them the existence of a great empire in the far west dark hints of which had floated from time to time in the islands and of which more certain glimpses had been caught by those who had reached the continent 
this was the country intimated by the great admiral in his visit to honduras in 1502 and which he might have reached had he held on a northern course instead of striking to the south in quest of an imaginary strait as it was he had but opened the gate to use his own bitter expression for others to enter the time had at length come when they were to enter it and the young adventurer whose magic lance was to dissolve the spell which had so long hung over these mysterious regions now stood ready to assume the enterprise from this hour the deportment of cortez seemed to undergo a change his thoughts instead of evaporating in empty levities or idle flashes of merriment were wholly concentrated on the great object to which he was devoted his elastic spirits were shown in cheering and stimulating the companions of his toilsome duties and he was roused to a generous enthusiasm of which even those who knew him best had not conceived him capable he applied at once all the money in his possession to fitting out the armament he raised more by the mortgage of his estates and by giving his obligations to some wealthy merchants of the place who relied for their reimbursement on the success of the expedition and when his own credit was exhausted he availed himself of that of his friends the funds thus acquired he expended in the purchase of vessels provisions and military stores while he invited recruits by offers of assistance to such as were too poor to provide for themselves and by the additional promise of a liberal share of the anticipated profits all was now bustle and excitement in the little town of santiago some were busy in refitting the vessels and getting them ready for the voyage some in providing naval stores others in converting their own estates into money in order to equip themselves every one seemed anxious to contribute in some way or other to the success of the expedition six ships some of them of large size had already been procured and three hundred recruits enrolled themselves in the course of a few days eager to seek their fortunes under the banner of this daring and popular chieftain how far the governor contributed toward the expenses of the outfit is not very clear if the friends of cortez are to be believed nearly the whole burden fell on him since while he supplied the squadron without remuneration the governor sold many of his stores at an exorbitant profit yet it does not seem probable that velasquez with such ample means at his command should have thrown on his deputy the burden of the expedition nor that the latter had he done so could have been in a condition to meet these expenses amounting as we are told to more than twenty thousand gold ducats still it cannot be denied that an ambitious man like cortez who was to reap all the glory of the enterprise would very naturally be less solicitous to count the gains of it than his employer who inactive at home and having no laurels to win must look on the pecuniary profits as his only recompense the question gave rise some years later to a furious litigation between the parties with which it is not necessary at present to embarrass the reader it is due to velasquez to state that the instructions delivered by him for the conduct of the expedition cannot be charged with a narrow or mercenary spirit the first object of the voyage was to find grijalva after which the two commanders were to proceed in company together reports had been brought back by cordova on his return from the first visit to yucatan that six Christians were said to be lingering in captivity in the interior of the country. 
it was supposed they might belong to the party of the unfortunate Nicoisa, and orders were given to find them out, if possible, and restore them to liberty. But the great object of the expedition was barter with the natives. In pursuing this, special care was to be taken that they should receive no wrong, but be treated with kindness and humanity. Cortes was to bear in mind, above all things, that the object which the Spanish monarch had most at heart was the conversion of the Indians. He was to impress on them the grandeur and goodness of his royal master, to invite them to give in their allegiance to him, and to manifest it by regaling him with such comfortable presents of gold, pearls, and precious stones, as, by showing their own good will, would secure his favor and protection. He was to make an accurate survey of the coast, sounding its bays and inlets for the benefit of future navigators. He was to acquaint himself with the natural products of the country, with the character of its different races, their institutions, and progress in civilization, and he was to send home minute accounts of all these, together with such articles as he should obtain in his intercourse with them. Finally, he was to take the most careful care to omit nothing that might redound to the service of God or his sovereign. Such was the general tenor of the instructions given to Cortes, and they must be admitted to provide for the interests of science and humanity as well as for those which had reference only to a commercial speculation. It may seem strange, considering the discontent shown by Velasquez with his former captain, Grijalva, for not colonizing, that no direction should have been given to that effect here but he had not yet received from Spain the warrant for investing his agents with such powers, and that which had been obtained from the Hieronymite fathers in Hispaniola conceded only the right to traffic with the natives. The commission at the same time recognized the authority of Cortes as captain-general. End of Book 2, Chapter 2 Recording by Sue Anderson